0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three of ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony... But you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is FinCider Radio, part of the FinCider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now your co-host, MC Money. Certain the Creepy Soccer Dad and Houts M.D. And yes, welcome to the relaunch of FinSider Radio. This is, of course, MC Money. And I'm always joined each and every week, unless otherwise stated, by Certain the Creepy Soccer Dad and Houts M.D. You may have heard of that new riff, the Dolphins Fight Song, part of it. That is courtesy of our own Sutton the Creepy Soccer Dad. You'll hear other riffs throughout the show and throughout the coming weeks. And of course, those are all courtesy of Sutton as well. You are listening to our relaunch. We have defined segments, defined structure, shorter shows, beginning with our training camp preview. And you are going to get a taste of how our shows are going to be structured moving forward. More content, more inside information, more guest interviews, and so much more. But tonight we're kicking things off here on Finsider Radio with Seth Levitz and the one and only O.J. McDuffie, currently of the fish tank of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Bringing them on the show for a little cross promotion. Seth OJ, the fish tank is basically untold stories from different players, personnel around the NFL. You've had a few episodes so far: Channing Crowder, Aronday Gadsden, the Pouncey Brothers, and more. To begin this interview, just give us a quick rundown of what your show is all about. Well, I tell
1: you what, you could uh, you could tell the story. That was really good. I appreciate <laughs> you guys having us on. I'm excited to be here with you guys, and um, we're learning the podcast game as we go here. But th- but you nailed it. It's Dolphins' tales from the deep, we like to say, and and what we realized that, uh, you know, what was our life, uh, OJ obviously playing for the team all those years and, and myself working with the team and now working with Jason, um, you know, a lot of the things that we take as commonplace or just experiences that kind of happen behind the scenes, these are stories that people just love to hear. You know, if we're sitting around at dinner or over a drink and kind of recalling the old days, people eat that stuff up we figured that can make some good programming and uh, and that's kind of how the fish tank was born.
0: Aranda Gadsden and like I said Channing Crowder was one of your more recent guests and we all know Channing Crowder for his time on the radio absolutely hilarious and Crowder is one of the most uh, biggest characters out there can you just give us like a little rundown you know we, we see Channing on the radio we hear him on the radio we know his personality but behind the scenes is that much different or is that who he is?
1: That's Channing. You know, if anything, in the radio, you know, he's dialed down to about a six. But you, you get Channing without a filter, and he's 10 for sure. Uh, and I think some of that came out. And we ended up, you know, the funny thing was Channing, he, he came into the Fish Tank Studios with us, had to go to radio afterwards. And we knew we had a limited time because he had to go to work. And next thing you know, we're at an hour and 30, hour and 40. He, he was ready to go. He's ready to do more. And Channing just has stories for days personality for days uh and and i think he enjoyed as you guys know in the world of podcasts you know there's less of a filter there's less structure um less yep. rules that he had to follow and, and i think that that fit Channing's style just fine
0: seth you and oj mcduffie two uh two different types of people in the nfl you coming in to the miami dolphins in 1996 as a pr intern oj mcduffie coming up yep. You know, us from the outside and others who don't really aren't associated with the NFL or aren't in the NFL who don't know what the inner workings of the NFL are may think, you know, okay, it's the staff, it's the players, they don't really communicate much. But we know that those who know the NFL, that you guys, you know, talk to each other on an almost daily basis. So when did you and OJ really forge your relationship as your time with the Dolphins?
1: Yeah, well, it's a great point, and, and a lot of it also does – depend on what your job is right there's people who work for the teams and maybe they're in the marketing department or tickets or sales and and they're great opportunities but they don't have that interface with the, with the guys um i was in pr so you, you hit it we dealt with the guys every day we were the liaison between the players the coaches the staff and the media and so uh day in and day out you, know, you, you build a bond with those guys um, they have to trust you Uh, as their PR folks sometimes to deal with difficult times and sometimes to create opportunities for them. And and really everybody's role with the team is to make life easier for them so that, that all they can focus on is trying to win ball games. But to answer your question, and we talk a little bit about it in our intro show uh, for those who have listened to the fish tank, OJ and I hit it off right away. And it was, it was a great opportunity for me. I did an internship prior to working for the dolphins with the Cleveland Cavaliers and O.J.'s from Cleveland. And I used to play pickup basketball with a guy who said that he said, yeah, I know O.J. McDuffie. And he, you know, everybody always knows somebody. And, and you just kind of laughed it off and, okay, sure you do. But I ended up getting the internship with the Dolphins, and I figured, what the heck, my first day I walked up to Juice and introduced myself, and, and I really wasn't even supposed to talk to the veteran players at that point. I said, hey, <laughs> you know this guy Rob Brown. And he lit up, man. He said, oh, that's my guy. I went to high school with him. He was one of his close friends. And and that was it. I was in at that point. And the reality is is that if you get a guy with OJ status and he was so popular amongst his teammates and well respected for obvious reasons that it gave him instant credibility in the locker room. So I I owe OJ a lot of credit for what I was able to do. Yes, OJ uh Yes you do. Yes you yes. do. <laughs> See, Duke, you know, I still remember. I still remember. <laughs>
0: What's up? Bro? OJ, I'm a little late, OJ, OJ, a little late. OJ, three three years in, three years into your NFL career, catching passes from Dan Marino and this PR intern walks up and starts talking to you. What's your reaction there? I know Seth just kind of described it. But what were you really thinking inside your head?
2: Well, you know what? I'm like, who is this guy, first of all? You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm finally
0: established on this team, and it's this guy
2: – You know, that's not even one of the head guys in our PR department, this and that, interviews and stuff. And, no, no, I'm just playing, man. You know, Seth said it best. You know, we hit it all right away. You know, and I think that's just more more or less the way I am, the way he is. Uh, Both of us are extremely approachable. And, you know, I mean, Seth, when you throw the word Cleveland around to me, you know, it's instant instant, uh, coolness with me. So we were good at that point no matter what.
1: Got to know your audience, guys. You got to know your audience.
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> yes, right.
2: Well, OJ,
3: I happen to uh, I happen to pass this school called Hawkins on my way to work with my two boys because I ha- I live in Lynnhurst, Ohio. And oh yeah. I don't wow. know fans. I don't really know if they know how important the state of Ohio is in Dolphins folklore. So not only did yourself. Uh, come from Northeast Ohio, we have Larry Zonka, Don Shula was coaching at John Carroll. I mean, you have came through a really beautiful football culture in the state of Ohio, and then you get to play for some high-profile coaches at Penn State with Joe Pa. You know, you go to the Dolphins, to play for Shula himself, uh, a Cleveland boy, like I just mentioned. You get to play for Jimmy Johnson. I'm curious what your thoughts are because I implicitly trust your pulse on what co- what coaches are able to bring to the team. What do you see in Adam Gase? Do you think we have a keeper here?
2: Well, let me, back, let me backtrack a little bit first. You know, I, I did play for some great ones. Obviously, the great Joe Paterno, uh, then going straight to the great Don Shula and playing for Coach Jimmy Johnson. We're all, you know, top top echelon coaches. My high school coach, Cliff Walton at Hawkins, was uh, you get no better than that either, you know. So I was blessed to play for, you know, three or four great coaches back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, you know. And that was, uh, you know, I think that's what helped me a lot with my football career. And I tell you, you know, all those coaches, what they did best, and I, you know, is they, they adapted to their situation. Uh, Coach Walton, we used to run the ball a lot at, at Hawk and when I was a senior. But before that, all we did was throw the ball because we had a quarterback. But he was able to adapt to a situation where I was a, I was a tailback and able to go out there. and We ran a lot and we threw it a lot. I got to Penn State and we ran it all the time. There was one game I think we had like 10, 10 passes total, you know, and that's because that's what Joe did. But we got a quarterback. And some wide receivers then, we started to throw the ball a lot more. Uh, Shula, soccer and kick, ask them how many times they threw us. <laughs> you know, when they get <laughs> the <it> time with <laughs> <laughs> when they were greeting those guys, they they really threw it themselves when I mean, you get a guy like Marino and you adapt. And I think that was that's the key. What Adam Gates has done, he he's come in already, already adapted to today and age as uh, you know, in football with a with shotgun and spread and things like that. And I tell you, he's a brilliant mind. He really is. And it really hurt Adam Gates in the second year last year when when a guy like Tannehill gets hurt. And a lot of people say, you know, they never thought they'd miss Tannehill, but they missed him last year. We missed him last year. I thought his second year under Gates is going to be incredible. And so now I'm looking – I'm really looking forward to this year. they got the right pieces in place. They've also got, you know, Tannehill back and looking great and healthy. So I think Adam Gates is that guy. And what the thing about Gates is, you know, he, he commands and demands respect. You know, a young coach, but at the same time, don't mess with him, man. I think a lot of guys, you know, took that for granted and didn't realize that he was going to be a guy that's going to be, you know, putting his foot down on some guys. And we got rid of some pieces that, you know, didn't fit what he wanted to do. And I think he's got the right guys in the locker room now. So, engaged I still trust.
4: O.J. Seth, I mean, this is an honor. I remember in first grade, I traded a Vinny Testaverde trading card to some poor sap for an O.J. McDuffie, and I became a Dolphins fan ever since then. Oh, you uh, got a steal on that deal right
1: there. <laughs> I, I did. I'm a
4: Pennsylvania boy. I mean, hey, Vinny, uh, you were the who I looked up too. to. Yeah, you were who I looked up to as a child. Uh, you touched on it though. Ryan Tannehill. I'm interested to see what a guy, you know, McDuffie catching balls from Dan Marino, one of the greatest, in our opinion, the greatest quarterback of all time. How do you and Seth, you know, how do you view Ryan Tannehill? Is he that quarterback that this franchise should continue to build around? I mean, it's up and down with the national media. They, they're they completely bashing the Dolphins at this point in the offseason. I think a lot of fans have hope in Ryan Tannehill. You touched on a little bit. I mean, last season with Jay Culler was a complete travesty. It was, a, it was an abomination. It was a terrible season. So, Woody, how do you guys view Ryan Tannehill? Uh, do you think he is that franchise quarterback that can take the Dolphins eventually to the promised land?
2: Yeah, Seth, I'll touch on that a little bit, Seth. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, the quarterback, you know, gets way too, many, too much credit when things go well and way too much criticism when things don't. Uh, when you're talking about football, it really is the, the, the ultimate team sport. I know, so I know it's cliché and everybody uses it a lot, but, we, you know, you look at Danny Marino, you guys talk, you said that's the greatest quarterback of all time, and he, he's definitely, in my opinion, is the greatest quarterback of all time. I know he didn't have the rings, but I also know what he brought to that team in that, in that huddle, in that locker room in terms of his, uh, his ability to make throws and make plays and you know his willingness to go out there and lay it on the line to win every, every game. But it's, it takes a whole team. And we, we can never put it together around Danny to get him what he ultimately deserved, which is the championship. <clears throat> Ryan Tannehill is being blessed with some pieces of parts now. You know, I think um, the wide receiving core, with Kenny Fields and Albert Wilson, uh, bringing Edmund Dole over and also Devontae Parker. Uh, you know, I think Joaquin Grant's going to be really good. Uh, with a running game, I think that's going to be a lot better than it's been. Uh, it's all, it all boils down to certain things in football: offensive line, offensive line play, the ability to run the ball, and the ability for your defense to get some stops to get the ball back to you. Ryan is going to be a he's going to be a rock solid quarterback, uh, but he's as good as his parts are, and that's how most quarterbacks are.
0: We're joined here by Seth Levitt and OJ McDuffie of the Fish Tank Dolphins Tales from the Deep of the Five Reasons Sports Network. One more question for both of you, and we'll let you go for the evening, Seth, OJ there are always these I made it moments, right, wherever you are, whether it's the NFL, uh, whether it's a regular job or with a big organization or something. So, Seth, OJ, this question is for both of you. Seth, what was your I made it moment when you when you were working in the NFL?
1: I'm telling you, I think it was when OJ actually didn't punk me when I walked up and introduced myself. <laughs> See, that, that was a make-or-break oh. deal there. You get clowned by a veteran in the locker room, <laughs> and that pretty much is going to lay it out for you. But – no, seriously, for me, I, I like you guys. I grew up a Dolphins fan. I, I, I'm a South Florida boy. All I ever really wanted to do was, was work for the team and find some way to do so. And I knew it wasn't going to be with a number on my back because I wasn't blessed with uh, the size or the talent, uh, or the toughness. Let me say that too. Uh, but, but to get in with PR, I think fit my skill set. And, and you know, I went all the way to Cleveland to come back to Miami, come back home. Um, and walking in those doors the first day, you know, at 7500 Southwest 30th Street and, and being a part of the organization and, and and being able to wear that emblem and walk into that locker room, I mean, that was it for me. That that was the achievement and had eight great years doing so and working with amazing guys like OJ, like Dan Marino. I mean, what an honor that was. And then making friends mm-hmm. with the guys that we draft, the Zach Connors, the, the Jason Taylors, the Sam Madisons, the Patrick Tans. Those were all the young guys that came in along the same time that I did became lifelong friends, but also became really legends in the team's history. So it was a special, special time for me and something I would never trade for the world. But I, I don't say this just because he's my partner on the fish Fishman, because I've seen – I've had interns that didn't click with O.J., and I've seen how that worked <laughs> out for him, you know. But, uh, and I won't name names, but Juice knows who I'm talking about. But uh, to really to, to be able to make that connection – uh, and be able to do my job and then showcase what I could do for the team uh, was a real special time. What well, I tell you, you know, it was um, – uh, yeah. Well, let me, let me give you mine real quick if
2: you don't want to kick me off. I mean, I just, you know, I'll give you, <laughs> I'll give you my make or break moment real quick before I get, yeah, the get kicked to the counter. <laughs> well, I tell you, for me coming in, you know, I, I, I really came into a great situation but also a tough situation. You know, of course, a great situation. I'm a wide receiver from Penn State who gets the chance to play with the greatest quarterback in the game, and Dan Marino, you know, a guy that can sell ice gloves in South Florida. You know, you know you're playing with a great one if you've got that ability and a knack like that, you know. So that was already that was, that was a great situation for me and playing for Coach Shula. But then you go into a situation as a first-round draft pick, which always, you know, always can get, you know, stairs in the locker room you get a first-round draft pick, But you also got to look at a situation where – you know, Mark Duper and Mark Clayton are on the way out. Urban Fryer and Mark Ingram and Tony Martin and all those guys are in there. You know, why the Dolphins drafting a receiver again? You know, we got all these guys that are already here. So that was uh, that was already tough for me in the beginning because people were looking at me sideways uh, from the beginning. But you know, they they knew that I was there originally as a as a return guy. You know, that was mm-hmm. only my niche at the beginning until I got, you know, on the same page with Dan. And you know, Dan and I had a rough beginning from the beginning because if you think about it, he went to Penn I went to Penn State. Not a lot of love there. Not much love there whatsoever, you know. So I had to get I had to keep rubbing up with Danny, like, yo man, you know, we gotta let that go. You know, we're in the pros now. You gotta throw me the ball if you want tomorrow, buddy. And I think he eventually got the message. You know, but my, my you know, my, my moment when I broke in and I think with my chick my over turn First kickoff return I had in the preseason against Atlanta, you know, a lot of veterans. Man, I've been not hazed. I've been, you know, I've been treated like a rookie a little bit before that. I've been taped up, thrown a cold tub, you know, razzed a little bit. Had to learn my school fight song and things like that. But it was all in good fun, you know. And they were treating me like the, the rookie that I was. But when I took that kick back, that preseason game against Atlanta, that's when I felt like I made it because I saw the guys, the veterans, the the Brian Cox, the Lewis Oliver's. Uh, you know, the, the Urban Friars, the Keith Jackson, the Keith Byers, all those guys meet me in that end zone, that was my made it moment, man. And I, I never looked back since then.
1: OJ See, it's seven. a good thing you asked O.J. second, because that's a much better story than the one I was able to tell.
4: Both stories were great. Uh House again? I mean, you guys, <laughs> thanks again for joining us. Uh, gun to your head. Dolphins record at the end of the 2018 season. What is it? O.J. Seth give us your thoughts 10 fix nice
1: i like it i'll just go with juice yeah that's that's uh, I, was, I might have been a little more conservative and said nine and seven but i like 10 and six that feels good i like it i hope you're both right i'm a, that homer now. I'm a big homer now i'm a big fan of big well we homer, both we all
2: all are we all, all, all on are <laughs> oj okay, seth all i was gonna say was
3: next time you're in cleveland let me know so i can buy the beer
2: Absolutely, I,
4: I, I, I'm definitely
2: going to take you up on that one. For sure. Yeah, I was yeah, I'm not far off. <at> all. <laughs> all right,
0: that is OJ McDuffie and Seth Levitt from the Fish Tank Dolphins Tales from the Deep of the Five Reasons Sports Network. It is not your regular podcast. It is a must listen. You can get all the stories from behind the scenes. Make sure you listen to it whenever you get a quick chance. Seth, OJ, thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedules to join us. We greatly appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having us, guys. Hey, thanks for
2: having us, guys. Thanks for diving in, fellas.
0: All right, guys. Take care. And wow, that was a great interview from OJ and Seth. Two great guys. Seems like two very personable guys. We can go have a beer with them and just, uh, you know, talk the night away about different stories. It sounds like, and if you've never listened to their podcasts yet, please do so again. It's the Fish Tank Dolphins Tales from the Deep on the Five Reasons Sports Network, a growing network. And, yes, we are – You know, you might say, well, why why is FinCider Radio promoting it? It's, you know, it's not about us versus others, right? It's it's about promoting good Dolphins talk. It's about promoting good Dolphins conversation. And the more people that are talking about the Miami Dolphins, the better it's going to be. You know, as you see these podcasts come up, yes, some of them will stick around, most will not. But the ones that do stick around, just, just give it all your attention. Most of them are 30, 45 minutes long. And to get a great quality podcast like The Fish Tank, it's it's a great podcast to have. It's a great podcast to hear as a Miami Dolphins fan. And the more quality podcasts there are, the better off it's going to be for the Dolphins and for Dolphins fans. We're going to get to the actual interview in just a second and give our reaction on that. But you know what I thought was funny, Certain, and House, was the way Certain got bodied when he wanted to say something towards the end of that interview, and then OJ basically cut him off and threw Sutton to the corner. Sutton, I mean, how were you feeling when that happened?
5: I did. Like, all I wanted to do was invite them to have a beer next time they were in (laughs) Cleveland, because I live here, (laughs) and they were talking so glowingly about Cleveland. So um, I was just hoping to buy a couple beers for awesome Dolphin people and just, their insight was just amazing. I mean, to have kind of a a dual perspective, to have a player perspective, you know, and we've, we've had Randy McMichael on our show. We've had Richmond Webb on our show. Uh, we've had Quentin Poling on our show. You know, we, we've had players on our show, but we haven't had some of the guys in the front office like Seth uh, who do something different for the organization. So it's just interesting to see those guys kind of weave those stories together and at the end of the day you know we just kind of want to be sitting at a bar with these guys and just it's a great day you're just tipping one back and you want to hear some dolphin stories I mean Mm -hmm. that's
6: what more could you ask for absolutely yeah and I hated to be that fangirl you know they told his story of his childhood and all that but I mean uh, it, it was a once in a lifetime. I mean, hopefully, we have one again, but this was something that you know you think about as a kid. You know, you see OJ McDuffie catching passes from Dan Marino, and you just never think you're going to be sitting here. I mean, I was taking out the trash about an hour and a half ago, and then I got to come on, talk with you dudes, and then got to talk to OJ McDuffie and Seth Levitt. I mean, uh, it, it's pretty crazy the opportunities we get. Uh, I know Kanata touched on it. You see these podcasts, they come up every other week. There's a new one, uh, you know, it. Anyone can do a podcast. I mean, you you see it. They come out every day. But to have the personality, to have the grind, to to do what people do, I mean, hats off to them. And then to have O.J. McDuffie and Seth Levitt, you know, give the tales. I mean, there's no other podcast out there that's going around telling you stories from inside the locker room, stories from the front office and, you know, different players who they played with. So, I mean, it's a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. And I recommend that everyone goes out there and listens to it because you you won't regret it.
5: Anybody can do a podcast, but very few can do it for two years straight like us.
6: Mike Finsider Radio.
0: And it is now time for one of our newest segments around the NFL. And each week we will give you the biggest storylines happening. and We will take one and discuss it in more detail. But here is your look. Around the NFL, the judge denies NFL request for a probe into concussion settlement fraud. The federal judge overseeing the NFL settlement for concussion-related conditions denied the league's request for an investigator to evaluate cases that NFL attorneys believe to be fraud from former players. At the SB Awards 2018, Jim Kelly delivered an emotional speech after receiving the Jimmy V. Award. Not, not a dry eye in the house at the L.A.'s Microsoft Theater after Jim Kelly's SB Awards speech on Wednesday night, received the award for perseverance and recognition of his inspirational fight against oral cancer. Falcons' Julio Jones won't get the new contract he wants, the report says. Atlanta Falcons told the wide receiver they won't rework his contract before the start of the season. According to the report, the Falcons told Jones they didn't budget a new contract for him since they need to focus on getting new deals for defensive end Grady Jarrett, left tackle Jake Matthews. And safety Ricardo Allen. Terrell Owens, NFL Hall of Fame inductee this coming summer, said he isn't actively seeking to play in the NFL again. This after reports at the Espies, where he clarified he isn't actively seeking to get into the NFL, but would consider getting back into the league if the right opportunity arose. Steelers' wide receiver Antonio Brown landed on the Madden 2019 cover. The report coming out yesterday, but of course, our own Houts had it two weeks ago tweeting out that Antonio Brown would be the cover boy. We'll Let's see if go. We'll see if the <laughs> curse hits him. The Los Angeles Rams one day or a few days after Todd Gurley says he wanted $80 million. This was a hypothetical statement from Gurley. They locked up Brandon Cooks with a five-year extension. The Rams on Tuesday announced that they re-signed the wide receiver to this extension, but financial terms of the deal were not immediately disclosed. It is talked about he is getting guaranteed upwards of 50 to $60 million. The Cowboys' Randy Gregory reinstated by the NFL, this coming after being suspended without pay the entire 2017 season for multiple drug-related violations, which allowing him now to return to the Cowboys. And our biggest story around the NFL, Le'Veon Bell, the Steelers' contract failure, is a product of a love-hate relationship, according to the Sporting News And they are unable to agree on a long-term contract. And by all accounts, it appears that Le'Veon Bell is going to be a free agent after this season. But that's not the biggest story. The biggest story, Sutton and Houts, are contracts in the NFL, do they need to be fixed? And with the newest contract agreement coming up in the next few years, will we see a strike when the players finally have had enough? and say they want guaranteed contracts, they want more security in their contracts, and they want to be paid like their counterparts in the MLB, NBA, and NHL. How's your initial take on this situation?
6: Yeah, my initial take is I am all for this. I think Todd Gurley was the guy that spoke out on it. Uh, You see these NFL players each and every week. You know, someone else is coming down with some kind of chronic injury. You got the CTE that's messing with players. Uh, you saw what happened to Ryan Shazier last season I mean it's just time and time again these guys are going out there and putting their bodies on the line and then you see a guy who I mean admittedly I did not play baseball I'm not the biggest baseball fan but you got a guy that goes out there I know they're playing 162 games a season but they're hitting a baseball they're taking line drives I get that they they could get hit with you know a 99 mile per hour uh, fastball to the head whatever it may be but it's not the same. And for me, to see a football player go out there, you got a receiver going across the middle of the field, a safety's coming at him, pretty much, you know, he he's got a hit on this guy. He's going in there to make the hit, to to knock the ball out, to, to to leave a lasting impression. And I mean, what these NFL players do for us fans, I mean, uh, as cliche as it may be, it reminds me of those gladiators of the past. You know, they go into that arena and they're pretty much battling till the death and and that's what these football players do they go out there they put their body on the line they they grind for 16 games straight you know compared to other sports to the NBA which i think is 82 games MLB 162 it might not be that excruciating but what at the end of the day what they do with their bodies they go out there those big hits they take i mean these are huge guys these are guys that work out every day i mean would either of you want to get hit by Cam Wake? Uh, I think we would all agree, hell no, we would not. I mean, he's, he's a monster. A lot of these NFL players are monsters. And to, to see the contracts in comparison, I mean, I can't sit here and, and tell you what, you know, uh, Bryce Harper made. I, I remember it being, was it upwards of a $2 million or $200 million? I mean, it, it's incredible. So to, to sit there and see what these guys are making compared to an NFL player, a quarterback, a running back, guys like that to go out there and just put their body on the line each and every week. It's crazy. So I do think they have a point. I do think that once this collective bargaining agreement comes around, these players are going to be fighting hard to to make that big money because I think at the end of the day they're deserving of it. Uh, I just hope the NFL lasts because that's my biggest fear, that someday we wake up and the NFL is no longer here.
0: So there's always this talk anytime an NFL player gets a new contract, right. And anytime an MLB player gets a contract and anytime an NBA gets a contract and we know the salaries are fully guaranteed in major league baseball, which is quite crazy, you know, and then you get the comparisons, right. You get the people who say, well, the MLB players play 162 games a season. NFL players play 16 games a season. You get the people who say the NBA players play, you know, less than a hundred games a season. If you want to include playoffs and all of that, while the NFL players play 16 games in a season. But here's my thing, right? You know, from what they say, it's basically you're waking up from a huge car accident the next morning. And it takes several days for your body to recover from playing in an NFL game. Some say that even by Thursday, we've had guys come on our show who said when we asked about Thursday Night Football, they said their bodies are just starting to feel better on Thursdays. And they're not really fully recovered until Sunday morning when they have to play the next game. Where as you see players in the MLB play back to back to back to back to back to back and get a day off here and there, where you see players in the NBA play back to back to back to back to back to back to back and get a day off here and there. NFL players play once a week, but their bodies cannot take the physical abuse and the physical punishment that the, players in the MLB and the NBA aren't getting with their bodies. Uh, You know, we got the CTE, like you said, how we got the traumatic injuries. We got the career ending injuries. We got guys who aren't ever the same after playing football. We got paralyzed guys. Literally, if you're not careful, I mean, look at Ryan Shazier paralyzed, right? Who knows if he'll ever play it down in the NFL again, guys are literally putting their lives on the line every single snap in the NFL. And you never know when it's going to be your last snap. And for them to have the owners and the teams be able to cut them after one year, two years, where their guarantees have run out and there's no dead cap in the salary cap uh, era, it's not fair to these players who risk it all. And, And some might say, well, they know what they're signing up for. Listen, if you think that every single player in the NFL is doing this because they love the game, you are very mistaken. I would bet that at least 30 to 40%, maybe more, are doing this because this is all they know, and this is their job, and they probably don't even love the game. But since they don't know anything else, since they played football their entire life, this is the only thing that they can do to make money and and have a living for themselves and their family. And for them to not be able to collect the money that they want to collect, to put their lives on a line for a game that they don't even love, right? It's just not fair. MLB players get fully guaranteed once they put that pen to paper. NBA players there's ridiculous contracts coming out. NFL players, you get these huge contracts, but when it really comes down to it, you're getting $30, $40, $50 million guaranteed. And we just saw the NFL's latest revenue sharing. Teams got, I think it was 200 million, roughly, of revenue sharing. These owners are millionaires. <laughs> you It's just crazy to think that these players cannot get the kind of money that they deserve. And when you might when you might say, "Oh my god, 30 million. I make $80,000 a year, right? I wish I could make $30 million over the course of 2-3 years." Sure. But we're not playing in the NFL. We're not going to work and putting our lives on the line every single minute of the day. We're not putting our livelihood at stake every single minute of the day. We know we're going to go to work and 99.9% of the time, we're going to get out of work. We're not going to feel in danger at work. We're going to get out of work, go home, and know we're going to go home, just like we went into work in the morning. And it's just an overall general culture in the NFL. I mean, even the support staff, when I interviewed for a few NFL teams, coming into a social media management job, they were, they were saying it starts at thirty five dollars to $45,000 per year. $45 thousand was the max to run social media or a website for a team. And when I was interviewing with the teams, one of them I could have taken because there was no income tax in that state. And another one, I, I couldn't. I couldn't uproot my family and quit my job and take a $10 fifteen thousand pay cut. And these are teams that are making millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars per year, but they can't play their they can't pay their support staff, they can't pay their scouts, they can't pay their players. The money that everyone deserves. It's just a mind-boggling thing that it needs to change. And I think the only way, unfortunately, that it's going to change Sutton and Houts is if these players go on strike. We won't want that to happen. But the reality is if these players want justice, they may have to. Certain your thoughts.
5: At the end of the day, like you said, the NBA, the MLB, NHL, long seasons, lot of Bumps, bruises, contacts along the way. Nothing is a collision sport like the NFL. And there's nothing that leaves enough room for so many head injuries that the NFL has. The NBA, you know, you might tear an ACL. It's devastating. Achilles, devastating. Okay. Just look at Derrick Rose's career. I mean, it's just a litany of different horrible injuries to have to yourself but there's nothing as debilitating as the injuries that you can suffer in the nfl and i think that's something that everybody needs to consider fans coaches the front offices you know nfl the 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 organization itself everything Uh, needs to fall under the umbrella of let's have as much entertainment as we can within the uh, framework of not having people have completely life altering injuries. Um, There's certainly some work to be done because, yes, there um, are some families that have no choice but to play football. Uh, to make ends meet, but there's also some that play for recreational purposes as well. And we need to make it safe for everybody, no matter what your reasoning is uh, for playing the sport. But I think at the end of the day, owners are making what, um, a legendary amount based on, all the contracts that are given to the league and you just wanna see a little bit more parity, And it shouldn't be such a threatening concept. And I feel like for whatever reason, it's a little bit threatening to talk about why owners and players should have more of a 50-50 split i'm not sure why and i'm not sure if that's the scope of our show but i'm not sure why Uh, it's so hard to see why there's such a divide between what management quote unquote is thinking and what the players are thinking and hopefully the new collective bargaining agreement will bring some kind of restoration some kind of trust for everybody uh, to to hope that the nfl does have a pulse on what's going on and how it can project itself forward because it seems like right now it's in a get rich quick type of scheme and they don't necessarily have a oh hey what's our 20-year plan here
0: And here joining us for our new segment, the Inside Information, News, and Rumors, is Matty Infante, the founding father of the TheFinsider.com. We will be mixing it up from week to week. We'll be providing our own inside information that we get as the season progresses, and we'll be bringing in special guests as well. Matt, earlier this week, you dropped a few nuggets on Twitter regarding training camp and the various position battles. Dolphins football, as we know, is just about back, and with it right around the corner, Give us a heads up as to what we can expect to see play out during training camp.
7: Yeah, well, first, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, I, you know, I would say the the battle is probably is, is, is the key to the season. From a as much as one camp battle can be, it's going to be at the other cornerback spot. It's going to be Lippett versus Tankersley. Howard's got the one side locked down, obviously. Um, I, I think, and I think I said in my tweet that the the team wants. And it was for a fact that they want Tankersley to be that guy. I think they even told him that, you know, that it's his job to lose, but they're not just going to hand it to him. So he's going to have to play up to, uh, to you know, the, their expectations that the team has for him. You know, we've heard about Bobby McCain being considered as a, as an uh, outside corner, you know, in addition to his slot duties. I, I don't think that's – I think that's a – you know, if everything else goes horribly wrong, they would consider that. But I don't think they see that as something
4: they really want to do unless necessary. One of the biggest yeah. positions of need, I think we could all agree, heading into uh, this season was at the linebacker position. With Raquan McMillan coming back, uh, you know, Kiko Alonzo sliding back outside, which, which linebacker do you see, you know, taking that third positional spot? I know you mentioned uh, Stefan Anthony. Uh, you got Jerome Baker. You got Chase Allen, Quentin Pauling. I mean you got these guys who are great depth positions, but which one of those guys do you see going out there thriving and taking that third spot at the linebacker position? Yeah, I,
7: I think it's I think it's gonna be Anthony and I think people want me to say it's gonna be Baker and and I think Jerome Baker's gonna have a role, certainly. Uh and as the season goes on i think he'll get more and more involved particularly in in passing situations but uh anthony what i was told is having a quietly solid was the quote i got uh off season and and i think that come week 1 he's going to be that that third linebacker in the base defense uh now i mean that the linebacker probably only plays about 25 to 35% of the snaps so you know otherwise they're in you know variations, nickels, dime, things like that. So I don't know if his role is going to be that great, but it's certainly he's going to have a role, uh, and especially week one against Tennessee, they're going to be a team that wants to run the ball. Um, I think Anthony is going to be out there for uh, you know 30, 35 percent of the snaps to start off, and Baker will get his. As the season goes on, he'll find the role, particularly in, in passing situations. I think.
3: Yeah, we don't we don't need the Maury Povitz show to know that
7: Maddie and
3: is the biological father of the Cider, So we do appreciate everything
7: you've done for us, blazing that trail for us. I wanted to get well, into the well, wider, on, wider. Let me system. just say, I, I think that it's <laughs> what you guys have done here since I handed over the reins to Kevin. I mean, it's more than I ever thought this site could have been back in 2006 when it started. So that's a credit to, to Kevin and everybody else involved. It's Insider Radio crew i mean the, the whole i just saw the announcement about the expansion of the finsider radio network and that's tremendous and uh so certainly yeah i, I think don't 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 sell you know yourself short and, <laughs> and all the all the hard work you guys have done to take it beyond well beyond what i even thought was possible
3: we we appreciate, appreciate you saying that so now that the necessary butt kissing is over with let's
7: get <laughs>
3: to the what Let's get to the wide receiver position. You had mentioned yeah. about how the snap breakdowns might be with, with Wilson, with Stills, with Parker. Let's think about this kind of big picture. Are we keeping six wide receivers this year? Are we keeping five? If we do keep six, who is that sixth? And and I'm operating under the kind of group think assumption that it's going to be Stills and Parker, kind of the one A one B. Then you have Albert Wilson, you have Amendola, and then you have Jaquin Grant at the top five. So if we do keep six, who's who's the odd man out? Is it Le- Leonte Carew? Is it Isaiah Ford, or is it, or do you see a dark horse sneaking in there?
7: Yeah, so I, I think you know the, the the group think is right, in that those are the top five. Um, I, I would also be shopping. Last year we had two receivers play about 90, 90% of the snaps, and then a third play 65%. I This year, that's not going to be the case. I, I mean, Kenny Stills, we'll, we'll see his 90% probably. I'd be stunned if any other receiver played more than 80%. I think there's going to be heavy rotation. Uh, it's going to be game plan specific. And of course, barring injury, you know, Amendola is is his prime candidate to, to miss some games. But I, right. I'm not sure another receiver sees even 75% of the snaps. I, I think it's really going to be rotation-based. Uh, to the first part of your question, who's the six, I think they will keep six receivers. I think Isaiah Ford makes a ton of sense. Uh, he's had a strong kind of off-season coming back from his injury. Uh, I know – I think even Gase has mentioned Ford by name a couple of times, which is more than you can say about some of the other receivers that are battling for that role. Um, so I think that says a lot about the impression he's made. Um, I, I've heard behind the scenes, you know, they've been impressed with what Ford's done – Um, And I think we all have disappointment in what Carew's turned out to be. Some will say, Mm -hmm. you know, he hasn't had his opportunities. I would argue that when Devontae Parker was hurt, that was Carew's chance, and he never – if he wasn't performing in practice, he wasn't going to get on the field much. And I I think that says all we need to know about Carew. I'd be stunned if this is – this is certainly probably his last year in Miami. I don't know if he makes it out of training camp. I, I think we're looking at Ford, maybe Rashawn Scott perhaps uh, he's been around a little bit uh, on the practice squad. I know he had an injury last year. He could be someone that jumps up and tries to take the sixth spot, but uh, ultimately I think it'll be Ford. And, and I think it'll be someone that the sixth receiver will be inactive on game days anyway, and will only be, uh, you know, up if there's an injury. But I, I do think they will keep six on the 53. Right. Yeah, I agree with
3: that. Let's go ahead and get to Jasicki. You know, there's a lot of excitement around him because we haven't drafted a tight end in the first or second round, I believe, since like 1977 or something like that. So fans are understandably pretty juiced. Uh, you see the highlight videos and you get pretty excited about it. And then you see yeah. Matty I's tweet saying that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you might want to dial it down a bit. He's probably only going to play half the time. So kind of reading between the lines here, who's going to be the starting tight end for Miami? Is it Marquise Gray?
7: I I have no idea. Let's just 50% of the snaps for a tight end. I I think is is pretty good for a rookie tight end to begin with. I I think. I mean, we know Giseki has blocking issues. Uh, that's known, and, and I I don't think the team necessarily cares if he's not. He wasn't drafted to, to block. But I, I think, and you have someone like Marquise Gray, and I think A.J. Derby is someone you need to keep in mind as well. Uh, I, I think he's going to have a role. I think they're going to keep four tight ends. It's going to be the two rookies, and I think it's going to be Gray and, and A.J. Derby. I, who starts could be game plan specific. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have – I mean, they'll have to list someone one first team. I don't think it's going to be Gesicki who's listed first team by the time week one goes around. It, it could be Gray. It could be Derby. I don't know, but I just have a feeling it won't be Gasicki listed as first team. But I don't necessarily think it matters. I think there's going to be heavy rotation at the tight ends. I think it's going to be situational, game plan, down and distance, all those kinds of things. I think in the red zone, Gasicki should be getting – he should be on mm-hmm. the field for, you know, 90% of those snaps. But I, I do think, you know, rookie tight ends don't make that much of an impact. Uh, quite You know, quite often it's rare. Um I think good examples, I mean, Jimmy Graham only had 31 catches as a as a rookie. Uh, Zach Ertz only had 36 as a rookie. Um, Vernon Davis was a top-ten pick. He had 20 catches for 260 yards. Absolutely. So I, I think I just want people to temper their expectations so they don't call him a bust when he doesn't have 700 yards as a rookie because that's not going <laughs> right, to happen. Right, right. So just, just be Absolutely. realistic with it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he had seven, eight touchdowns. I mean, that that's a game. He plays above the rim, So, in the red zone, he certainly – there's no reason five, six, seven touchdowns he can't have. But Yeah, maybe I, I a, maybe a Tyler
3: – Tyler e- yeah, I was going to say maybe a Tyler Eifert type of season where he has 25% of his catches are touchdowns.
7: Yeah, yeah, that, but that, that would not shock me at all. And, and I also think he's going to grow into a larger role. So, let's give him time. He, he's a rookie. You know, I hope people don't call him a bust when – you know, come week eight, he has 200 yards receiving. If that, I think that might be selling short. But if that's the case, let's not say, oh, he wasted a second-round pick. That's, within the team, they, they love him. They they think he can be something. And that's probably why you haven't heard much from the coaches. I think when they don't prop you out to, you know, really build you up to the media, it's because they, they, they have something and it is, you know, they're – Mm-hmm. almost, you know, they don't want to come out and say it, but I think they're, they're excited internally about him.
4: Maddie. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, hope to have you on again soon. Uh, one more question before we let you go. Uh, you know, you got yeah. these guys coming out. That everyone keeps giving their predictions. Uh, you know, they, they want to say the Dolphins are going <laughs> to, you know, go undefeated. They're going to go 14 and two. Ryan Tannehill is going to be MVP. You got these things that you read on Twitter from fans. I mean, admittedly, they're looking for retweets and likes. Give us your realistic prediction. Gun to your head. Uh, the Dolphins 2018 record at the end of the season is what?
2: Well,
7: one in 15, if I listen to the national media,
2: uh, apparently they're going to go one
7: in 15. November. You're right. Uh, no, I, I think this is going to sound, you know, very, um, deja vu, but I think eight and eight, I, I, I think ceiling is 10 wins. I, I think Bozeng's well, I I to break right for that, uh, I don't see them i don't see how they can lose you know more than i i think seven wins is their floor. i they're not they're not going to be worse than last year they just can't be i've had this argument so many times on twitter I'm tired of it they're just it's just not possible for him to be worse unless there's some horrific injuries and it's not just a quarterback there there have to be other things that go down for him to win you know five games only i i think eight and eight sounds about right and if you wanted to say you get a couple breaks in games you could you know, steal a game here and there, get to nine, get to ten. I also think nine wins gets you in the playoffs in the AFC. So I, I think they'll be right there in December, which is all you can ask for. Does this give us meaningful December games?
0: Matt, huge thanks to you for joining us here on FinCider Radio. We appreciate all the inside information you have given us, and we're looking forward to having you again on in the near future. Take care. Yeah, definitely. Let's do it. Thanks a lot, guys. And big thanks to Maddie and for joining us here on Finside Radio to run down the latest inside information, the latest news and rumors surrounding the Miami Dolphins. How Sutton, Maddie dropped a lot of interesting nuggets there. What were your takeaways from the interview?
6: For me, the biggest thing was, you know, the Dolphins are going to most likely keep six wide receivers. He also mentioned that Bobby McCain most likely won't get a legit shot at being that boundary corner. It uh, looks like it's Cordrea Tankersley's job to – to lose and I mean that's a good thing for the Dolphins they gave Bobby McCain that big contract I mean he's uh one of the best nickel corners in the NFL uh to keep him there and you know let a guy like Kudreya Tankersley who had one heck of a rookie season hopefully earn that second cornerback position opposite of Zabin Howard that's big uh and then with the wide receivers I mean Isaiah Ford I think that's kind of where we all see this team going. Leontay Carew, he mentioned this could be his last season with the Dolphins, maybe even the last training camp. Uh, I was really high on him coming out of college after the Dolphins selected him. I expected big things out of him. Uh, liked his highlights, liked what he did at Rutgers. And it turns out that he didn't really take advantage of that spot with Devontae Parker. So, I mean, for with Devontae Parker out. So for me, I think uh, uh, those are some interesting tidbits. I think that's kind of where you see the Dolphins going. Uh, you know, he also brought the running back position. Kenyon Drake you might not see quite as many of those snaps as we think. It's going to be more of a running back by committee. Uh, so, those were the takeaways for me. How do you see things shaping up, Sutton? One of
5: the common threads that Matty was talking about was being in, you know, fluid situations, down in distance, sub packages. So, what we're talking about is kind of situational football, and it seems like we have a roster. Um, Maybe behind in some areas, especially tight end, Like we, we didn't seem like we got a real good answer on what's going to happen at the tight end position. Who is going to take the bull by the horns there? Is it going to be one of the veterans? Is it going to be Mar- Marquise Gray? Is it going to be A.J. Derby, Gavin Escobar? Or are we going to see Mike Jacecki and Durham Smythe somehow, some way, uh, overcome this kind of rookie tight end hurdle, whatever that is, and see if they can become the snap leader in that department. Uh, So not sure what we're gonna see there on that front. Uh, But when we are talking about the linebackers, the wide receivers, the secondary, it's encouraging to hear some of the versatility that we can have with the players that we have on the roster. So it's just gonna be interesting to see uh, which players uh, flourish in these early stages, Stefan Anthony might be one of those players, and maybe you see a young guy like Jerome Baker who uh, comes in and steals all the snaps. So it's going to be an interesting training camp. Can't wait for it to get started.
6: Yeah, I completely agree. I, I feel like uh, what he said about the linebacker position, you know, uh, seeing some big things go down there opposite of Raekwon and Kiko who seem to be solidified in their spot. Um, tight end, again, Mike Jasicki, you touched on it. Maddie touched on it. You guys got to kind of temper your expectations for him. We all want to have the next Rob Gronkowski. We all want to see, you know, a tight end in Miami better than Jordan Cameron, uh, a Deion Sims, a Julius Thomas, whatever it may be. I think Mike Josicki will ultimately be that player. But in year one, I mean, OJ Howard, David Njoku, you see these guys. I mean, other than Evan Ingram, who seemed to have a pretty good year, mostly because Odell Beckham went down. Tight ends don't come out and flourish right away. I don't know if it's too much at the NFL level. You know, they got to do these blocking. They got to do this and that. I think what Matty said best was you might see him out there at six, seven touchdowns because he's going to be that red zone target. But you're not going to see him putting up huge numbers, not like we want to see Jimmy Graham. I know he mentioned as a guy who, you know, didn't come out right away, didn't light the world on fire. And I think we just need to temper those expectations. Mike Jasicki is going to be a heck of a football player. I think he will be one of Ryan Tannehill's favorite targets, primarily in the red zone. I think that's where he's going to see most of his snaps. But if he doesn't go out there and put up, you know, eight, 900 yards in his rookie the season, there's no reason to be alarmed. There's no reason to go out there and, you know, call for his head and hope to invest a high, high pick next season because everything will be fine. Um, Mike Jasicki will be fine. And uh, I'm excited, like Sutton said, to see what training camp entails and to watch this team, you know, progress as the offseason continues.
0: Certainly a lot of situations are fluid with the NFL and the Miami Dolphins, of course, tight end, a lot of other positions. We'll see how training camp shakes out. We'll see how the preseason shakes out. Always lots of things moving around and we will unfold it and unpack it as we move forward. So again, a special thanks to Maddie and Fonte for coming on for our news and rumors segment. And we will continue with this each and every week with different guests. And of course, ourselves with the inside information that we get from various sources around the team and around the NFL. and the next segment that we're going to be bringing on to Finsider Radio from this point forward is a segment called Our View and it's taking one of the most controversial topics around the NFL around the Miami Dolphins and discussing it in a little bit detail and of course this week with our relaunch of the show it's the Miami Dolphins who discipline players who protest during the national anthem according to a report from the Associated Press This was according to a discipline document by an unidentified person familiar with the situation. The team could suspend players who protest on the field during the national anthem up to four games, the proper anthem conduct, the proper anthem conduct section under a new policy issued This week classified anthem protests as contract detrimental to the club. Any violations could be punishable by a paid or unpaid suspension as a fine or both the NFL announcing in may, it will allow players to remain in the locker room while the anthem plays However, teams will be fined if players and other personnel on the field do not stand and show respect for the flag. Obviously, a very controversial thing. Jeff Darlington of ESPN coming on and saying that this is a policy. All NFL teams are required to state in their discipline policies. But it is causing a lot of unrest in media circles, unrest around a lot of other people. And we're going to just talk about that for a little bit. So, how's your initial thoughts on this as we start to get more information?
6: Yeah, I was working when the news broke. I got that Bleacher Report uh, notification. I, I was—I I mean, I wasn't completely distraught. It wasn't like you know, it altered my life in one way or the other. But uh, I was pretty upset to see that the Dolphins were the first team uh, to come out publicly, or you know, for it to be leaked at. They're going to make these changes. I mean, all last season, Stephen Ross, the entire coaching staff, it seemed like they were behind players in this situation. It seemed like they uh, were for, you know, players going out there and being individuals, doing what they feel is right and having no issues with these different things. So to see Miami, the Dolphins, I mean, we've been seeing it all, all season, whether it's, you know, they're sitting here predicting them to be a bottom five team or this and that. Dolphins have been getting all the wrong publicity for one reason or another and then I just tweeted out a couple minutes ago you know they're tr- number two trending I mean they're one of those first moments that you see when you go on Twitter so hey, it's the talk of the town that the Dolphins are the first team I mean we heard from Darlington we heard from several other sources that all 32 teams are going to implement this but at the end of the day I mean the Miami Dolphins were the first to do so and you know Stephen Ross he's all about that rise he's players are going out of their way you know to, to to stand up for things like this individuality I mean uh each player is doing it for their own reason to, to see the Dolphins go out there I mean I think they might have said they could find players up to four games fines suspensions whatever it may be it, it's just a shame to see that your favorite football team uh with so many different personalities guys who went out there last season Michael Thomas who's now with you. New- the New York Giants, Kenny Stills, who's a big advocate for it. Uh, I mean, it, it's one thing to kneel during the national anthem, however you may feel about that, but to take away a player's individuality, to take away, you know, an American's uh, right of, uh, you know, freedom, whatever it may be, it's, it's a shame. So uh, I'm pretty upset that my team, our team was the first to implement these things. How do you feel, son?
5: You know, I – It seems like a bad PR thing basically at its at its heart. I I don't know that there's much to the story in the sense that I I don't. The Dolphins were one of the most progressive teams when the kneeling first started. And there's direct quotes from Stephen Ross. So it's not like he can come around and say, oh, hey, well, I never supported this. Yeah, he did um, in a way so i i I don't think that there's much to this other than uh it's an a team to just kind of pin the tail on the donkey and like you kind of alluded to how it's there's all sorts of uh six and ten five and eleven four and twelve type of predictions for us so why not just throw us under the Kneeling bus, so to speak. So I really don't think the Dolphins are going to do anything ridiculous in terms of spending Kenny Stills or anybody who has advocated uh, for African American rights when it comes uh, to the criminal justice system.
0: We'll see how it unfolds. The Dolphins saying at 7:15 p.m. according to the AP, they're saying all op- options are still open regarding the team's decision to include protesting the anthem. On a large list of violations, consider conduct, conduct detrimental to the club and subject to suspension of up to four games under the team policy. Remember, rookies reporting to training camp July 18, which was on Wednesday. Veterans report July 25th, so you connect the dots together. Sounds like a rookie via his agent or a very unhappy staff member. Leak this to the media, and we'll see where it goes from here. As we move on next week towards training camp, July 25th, veterans report, and the Dolphins officially kick it off for the 2018-2019 NFL season. We will be recording now on Tuesday evenings, dropping our podcast on Wednesday mornings. We'll have our full training camp preview next week. Lots of great stuff for you this week here on Finnsider Radio. How and Sutton. Any last words?
6: Nope. Big shout-out to O.J. and Seth for coming on. Maddie, uh, it was one heck of a show. Just happy to be able to do this.
0: And that's going to do it here for us on Finsider Radio for starting the creepy soccer dead and health MD. I am MC Money. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. We will talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network.
8: Miami has the Dolphins the greatest football team. All from go to go like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the
5: Switch to Sprint Unlimited Basic, featuring TV from Hulu and 500 megabytes of mobile hotspot. Plus, for a limited time, get five lines for only $120 per month. Hurry to a Sprint store or call 1 800 Sprint 1.
3: Offer NZ 16 18 after 131 2020, pay $32 per month per line for five lines without a pay 1 Hulu Limited commercial plan for eligible Sprint Account. MHS reduced to 3G speeds after 500 megabytes per month. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new lines. subject to credit and 3 activation. Fee video streams up to 480p. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply.
5: Switch to Sprint Unlimited Basic, featuring TV from Hulu and 500 megabytes of mobile hotspot. Plus, for a limited time, get five lines for only $120 per month. Hurry to a Sprint store or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Offer ends at
3: 1618 after 131-2020. $1, 30, $1, pay $32 per month for line for five lines without a pay. One Hulu limited commercial plan for eligible Sprint account. MHS reduced to 3G speeds after 500 megabytes per month. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming requires new lines. subject to credit and 3 activation fee. Video streams up to 480p. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply.